0: Bank robbers before used to put their life on the line. It was a high risk, high reward. It has now shifted to someone being in their basement hacking for fun because it's very lucrative and relatively easy to do. It's important to understand that digital ID
1: is not a magical solution that will make cybercrime disappear.
2: Our personal identity cards, assets, and information are invaluable. They grant us access to services, validate our histories, and prove who we are. And in the wrong hands, the use of our identity information could have dire consequences.
3: This is Beyond, a podcast about cybersecurity enabling business today, tomorrow, and beyond. I'm Hartash Nijjar, KPMG Canada's national cybersecurity leader. Let's explore together how businesses and Canadians can work together to protect what matters most in a digitally enabled future.
2: And I'm your host, Tamara Stanners. Thank you for joining us on the second episode of our Destination Digital ID podcast series. This time around, we will be navigating the perilous landscape of identity theft, fraud and cybercrime. We'll consider who might be out there looking to profit off our personal information and how we can work together to keep our personal identity assets safe. It might seem obvious, but let's consider for a moment, why is it vital for us to protect our identities?
0: Identity needs to be protected because it's the single source of truth. It proves that you are who you say you are.
2: We're hearing from Eric Berg. A KPMG Technology Risk Specialist.
0: With access to identity information, someone can cause some serious damage, such as identity theft, identity fraud, creating fraudulent documents, passports, driver's license. The list goes on and on. It can cause damage to your credit information, tax debt, criminal records. Most importantly, the emotional damage that this causes individuals and the time that it takes to clear their records and their name is significant. Think through an example where someone trying to sell their home and they realize that there is actually a lien on your property and you're not able to sell your home. Trying to figure out what happened and you identify without you knowing someone used your ID in a deal that went sideways and failed to pay and the victim of the scam tried to recoup their losses by placing a lien on your home.
2: And that's just one of many possible scenarios of how identity theft or the loss of personally identifiable information or PII could impact any one of us. Nobody is immune. What's worth noting is that cybercrime is just that a crime. And just like in any crime case, there are victims and there are perpetrators. So, what are the stories of these cyber perps? What's their motive?
0: There are many different types of bad actors out there and they all have different motivations. So the first and foremost motivation for many cyber criminals is financial. So identifying the easiest way between their hack and monetizing the hack is critical for them. So there's ways of monetizing their hack on the dark web, typically records, Credit card information, healthcare information. It can be sold for hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. And many times these hacks include hundreds, if not thousands, of records at a time. So it's very, very profitable. There are political motivations or hacktivism, as we refer to it, where they want to promote the interest of their ideology or to make something happen for an interested party. Revenge. Typically internal threats include attacking with the intent to harm as a payback. So we talked about motivations and let's just briefly talk about ways in which access to information is obtained. So there are many different ways of gaining access. So through the dark web, it's as easy as actually just purchasing credit card information or healthcare records on the dark web buying exploit kits where you can exploit systems. Social engineering is one of the easiest ways to gather sensitive information. So one of the key takeaways is it's much easier than people think. Bank robbers before used to put their life on the line robbing banks and it was a high risk, high reward. It has now shifted to someone being in their basement hacking for fun because it's very lucrative and relatively easy to do.
2: They might be depicted as these faceless, mysterious figures hidden behind a wall of screens, but they're often not. With the risk and reward paradigm having shifted, a cyber criminal could be anyone. It could be your neighbor, your taxi driver, or maybe even someone you went to college with.
3: Two medium double doubles, a cruller, and an apple fritter. Thanks. Here's your coffee and fritter. Thanks. So, uh, let me get this straight. Your
0: boyfriend from U of M was a hacker, and after we graduated, you got into it too?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was always naturally really good at coding and building programs, so it came easy. Honestly, it's way easier than most people think.
0: Wow, so you're really a hacker. Huh. Honestly, I imagined hackers being these, you know, faceless characters in hoodies.
3: Well, I do own a few of those.
0: No, but seriously, if you don't mind me asking, how does it work exactly, what you do?
3: Okay, um, let me try to explain. Mm, Damn, these are so delicious. Okay, think of it like in the physical world. You've got your house, right? It's got all your valuables in it. That means there's always a chance that someone might try to break in and steal them. So what do you do? You lock your door. But some people, well, they leave that door open. That's where I come in. I'll go house to house checking for those open doors. I rarely use the front door. Too obvious. But the back door or window, that just might be open. And if I get in, there's even a chance nobody would even notice. Of course, there are some houses that have security systems. I check for those first thing. It's too risky to hit a house with an alarm, so I mostly avoid them. But sometimes, and you'll be surprised how often, there won't be any security system and a door or a window won't be locked. That's when I just stroll on in and gather up as much valuable data as I can. Then it's mine to do with as I please. Most of the time, I just auction it off to the highest bidder.
0: Oh, wow, it's that simple. You're really inspiring me here to amp up my security at home. <laughs> you,
2: checking that your door is locked. A security firm, coming to install an alarm system in your home. Your neighbor, watching your house while you're away. Or,
3: Liberty,
2: 6. the police, coming to your aid if there's a suspected break-in. In the case of protecting your home, it takes a village to keep it safe when it comes to your identity, that responsibility is also shared.
0: In this paradigm where we have bad actors, we also have good actors. So people that work tirelessly to keep identity information safe. Identity information, it's everyone's responsibility, whether it's government, businesses, consumers, everyone has a role and everyone has a place in securing identity. The consumer is responsible for the protection of their ID and responsible for who they provide that information to. Once it's provided to the other party, there's a lot of blind trust being placed in that party to be the custodian and secure that information properly. So when you share personally identifiable information with businesses, there's a certain expectation that they are protecting it to a certain level of standards. Today,
2: businesses and governments are already investing heavily in protecting our personally identifiable information. Yet, many Canadians are feeling the tremendous impact of identity theft. So why is it that our current system leaves citizens so vulnerable?
0: IDs are issued and it's the citizens problem to protect that information. So citizens are then asked to share this information every walk of life. So whether it's renting a car, booking a hotel, opening a bank account or requesting a loan, this information is shared with all those businesses and external parties. It's then the citizen who's left holding the bag if and when these organizations suffer a breach or if in the process of sharing their IDs, the information is stolen directly.
2: As we go through various life stages, we will share our personally identifiable information thousands upon thousands of times. And though it's easy to think, oh, it'll never happen to me, even the most cautious of us are not immune. But having secure digital sources for identity verification can make a big difference.
1: Digital ID will change the risk landscape because it will offer more control to protecting our IDs, protecting who we are in a digital world. Digital ID will place focus more on sharing the information, how to share the information, what information to share and whom to share it with. It will provide them with more assurance of how they deal, whether it's a commercial transaction or uh, social media dealing or interaction on the internet. For businesses, it provides them with more control and more assurance around who they are talking to, and especially for commercial transactions, give them more assurance about you know the identity of the people they are talking to and that those business transactions are ultimately legitimate.
2: What's at stake here is a feeling of security, a knowledge that Even if your personal information is somehow captured, there's a system in place to catch the leak and revoke access at the right time before any further damage can occur. Imagine a world where your virtual assistant could help flag and prevent fraud.
4: You've received an urgent notification. This message is to inform you of the use of your identity in a mortgage application.
1: Iris, summarize details of the application, please.
4: Here are the details. Your identity was used at the Beaujolais location at 451 Rue Montaigne at 4.03 PM today, April 15th. The mortgage application submitted to Le Bank totaling 745,000 Canadian dollars requires your approval. To grant approval, say approved. To flag fraudulent activity, Say fraudulent activity.
1: This makes zero sense. Could Aisha have used it? Why would she? No. Mom? She's owned her house for 30 years. Khalid? No. This definitely isn't them. Fraudulent activity.
4: Thank you. Fraudulent activity statement received. Please confirm your identity via retinal scan. Scan confirmed. Two-factor identification required.
1: Send PIN via text.
4: Your authentication was successful. Access to your identity has been revoked and the mortgage application canceled. We have notified Le Fleur Bank of fraudulent activity.
1: Great, now that that's settled, Iris, remind me in 20 minutes to turn off the potatoes.
2: In the trusted pan-Canadian identity ecosystem of the future, identity will be verified in real time, giving Canadians a near immediate resolution to otherwise very stressful situations. In essence, we stand to gain peace of mind. But even with added controls, increased oversight, and strong cybersecurity defenses, the system won't be perfect. That's to say that bad actors are relentless. They get smarter and more savvy by the minute, and they're not going anywhere.
1: It's important to understand that digital ID is not a magical solution that will make cybercrime disappear. It's a way of better protecting what we have right now. Bad guys will always be looking for ways to circumvent whatever protection measures we put in place, whether it's in the electronic world or in the real world. You see crime evolving around the same objectives. In the digital world, it's important for organizations to design systems by default. That offer ways of putting protection measures that will prevent, detect, and respond to any potential malicious behavior. And usually, those malicious behavior is a, just a way for us to say a security breach or a way of a tentative hacking activity.
2: As Yasir points out, the whole ecosystem must be protected, not just elements of it. Cybersecurity must be baked into the process from the very beginning. The secret sauce of security is when the right controls meet a secure supporting environment. To get this right and ensure we create a secure and resilient pan Canadian digital identity ecosystem, stakeholders from across the country will need to get involved.
1: We need to make the digital transformation of digital ID safe. This is one of the challenges, this is the initial challenge. Now, that being said, it's not the first time that in the digital world we have these kind of challenges. Every three to four years we have major transformation in how we work, how we see our technology. 10 years ago, smartphones were very young and not as broadly used as they are right now where they changed our life. Five years ago, cloud technologies were not as used as they are used right now, and so on and so forth. one of the next things is digital id one thing that we need to make sure is to bring all the stakeholders together so from governments technology vendors to basic consumers which is not really done right now in other sectors but we all have to sit together and make sure that we are designing it the right way the right secure way for the future in a sustainable fashion This is not an area where we can just let technology vendors, in my opinion, innovate. We certainly need them to invent. We certainly need them to come up with new ideas, but we need to make sure that innovations work for everybody. So, of course, we need to include all the regulations, regulatory frameworks, uh, make sure we broaden them. We adapt them to the new Reality to the new world, we make them sustainable also for the future.
2: It's not just about adopting the latest technology for the sake of innovation, it's about making sure that the adoption of that technology is well thought out, inclusive, and secure. Our personally identifiable information is an extremely valuable asset, which will continue to be a target for attack. As Canada moves forward with digital identity adoption, it will be crucial to bake privacy and security into the foundations of our digital ID ecosystem. Thank you again for listening and don't miss episode three, where we deep dive into how digital ID will impact Canadian businesses and the key factors that will amount to success today, tomorrow and beyond. I'm your host, Tamara Stanners, and this has been Beyond, a KPMG cyber podcast.